Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful Northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. So to our live show that we bring you guys every single week to bring you our facts and analysis, let you know what we think is going on in the world. And really just uh, inform everyone around all of the propaganda, press antics, craziness that's going on in, well... You know, we're basically in an election season, even though normally that wouldn't be uh, the case. But because of all the announcements and, you know, presidential announcements and uh, the fact that, well, honestly, we're all in a very unique situation because Trump has basically been running for the presidency for 2024 ever since 2021. So, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, I, I never really thought about it until the other day where it's like how accelerated um, and and like crazy everything is when it comes to uh, the primaries and all of the discussions involved. But a little bit of administrative aspects to this. Of course, you guys can join us on the live chat over at Rumble. If you're listening to this um, later, you can always come in Sundays at noon and be on that live chat and check it out on Rumble. And of course, follow us on Rumble there. That's where we live stream to and answer any of our chat stuff. Otherwise, you can go to subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio if you want to sponsor the program. And then you'll get access to our Discord, which is where we talk directly to our audience, uh, share a lot of stuff, a lot of really great people um, out there on our Discord uh, that are always a hell of a lot of fun and honestly do a lot of good driving of the show. Uh, we take a lot of the things that they talk about, the things that they're upset about, uh, and and that's what helps drive it. And so a lot of really great conversations. We have probably, I would say, the best audience um, on Discord. Oh, absolutely. Now, that's my opinion, and it's right. So a lot of stuff to tackle. And we'll kind of just do a rundown on uh, some of that, which is uh, starting with the fact that, of course, there's once again, like, is it even a news story to say there's an indictment against Trump? Is that a news story anymore? I mean, it seems to be. I see it all over the news, but this is how many I keep being told by liberals ever since he was elected that this is how we're finally going to get if he's finally going to wind up in prison. The walls. I hear they are closing in. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it it's 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 hard, right? Because every aspect of me as a broadcaster says, I need to cover this. I need to talk about this. I need to be in depth on it. I need to get all of the facts. I need to get the arguments straight and I need to be able to present that to this audience, right? But then there's that other part of me that's like seriously though, like come on. Like, it's just, it, it's, what what are we going to say? What are we going to say that's different from every other time? Uh, this is totally bullshit. This is another part of just the get Trump psychotic mantra that we're so used, that we're so used to. Like, is there legitimately anything here that's even rem- like remotely suggestive that this is serious? Or even if it were, like, let, let's put it this way. Even if it were. Why is this one more serious than every other time that the left has said we're going to get Trump? I don't know. I mean, maybe this time they get him. I think getting Trump for the average leftist means he goes to prison. But I think getting Trump for the establishment Democrats mostly means and Republicans is barring him from being able to run for election again. So, yeah, and that that was something that we had covered Um 
a while ago because there's an interesting I'm glad you brought it up because there's an interesting like dichotomy now in opinions from from different people. So what, what I'll do is um, we've been saying, <coughs> pardon me, we've been saying that the entire point of these indictments is to disqualify Donald Trump from running for president to make it to where Donald Trump cannot run uh, in in the general election against Joe Biden. Uh, that has been something we've consistently said for years now. Uh, ever since they've been trying to go after Trump for anything else after he left the presidency. So the question now is, or not the question, but there there are conflicting opinions among people in the GOP on this. Because mm-hmm. people who are, like, for example, avid DeSantis supporters are actually saying that supporting Trump is what the deep state wants, you see. Yeah. Um, and it, I'm not... I'm going to make it sort of an illegitimate opinion because it's I, I find it annoying. Um, but they'll say it's what the deep state wants, because in reality, because Trump is facing so many indictments and there's a possibility that he could be hit with legal ramifications and disqualified for running for president, for becoming a felon, um, that would be a win for the deep state because then the GOP's candidate would be knocked out of the race. And so... The concept that's being floated now by some people who are uh, avid DeSantis supporters is supporting Trump now is actually what the deep state wants. Yeah. So, I guess, which one is it? (laughs) Is getting Donald Trump elected to a second presidential term um, a win against the deep state or... Well, uh, sorry, let me not say presidential term because this whole thing hinges on the primaries, right? Is Donald Trump winning the primaries a win against an establishment that is targeting Donald Trump and has been for years now, ever since he entered politics? So is it a defeat of that deep state or is it exactly what they want because they believe that Joe Biden can beat Donald Trump again in a prime or, or in a general election? Um. I'd be interested in what the audience thinks, so leave your comments however you wish to do so, uh, and let us know what you think on it. But, Alan, do you have any thoughts? Well, I think it's absolutely clear that that whatever this deep state is does not want Joe Biden to have to run against Donald Trump, or else they wouldn't be going through all the, jumping through all the hoops to try and disqualify Trump from running. I think their plan, much like the, the last election, is to commit massive fraud but even then, I know, I think that they're not 100% certain that that's going to end the same way it did last time. Yeah, I don't think they can do the same thing twice and not expect massive civil unrest, if not complete fracturing of the American project. If we're, gonna, if, if we're just going to be completely honest. Um, well, and they don't have the excuse of COVID and some of the other things that were used to perpetrate fraud in the last election are not available this next time. Mm-hmm. Or pe- like they don't have the emergency COVID rules they can rely on anymore. They can't pull off the emergency changes in the middle of the night. And I think in a lot of places, at least to some extent, there's going to be a lot more conservative eyes watching the election and stymieing fraud. Maybe it's not going to be some giant overwhelming amount, but it would be enough that I don't think they'd be able to pull it off as well as they did last time. Right. Um, Well, that and, you know, people are watching, right? 
exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, and the hope is that the GOP is, will lift a finger a little bit more so this time if in the event of fraud than it did last time. Maybe not the GOP as a national body, but the but the local GOP organizations in places hopefully will expend a little bit more energy to combat fraud in their lo- localities rather than just do a, seemingly doing nothing and letting them get away with it. Yeah. Well, and it, it is um, it is pretty entertaining, actually. Um, sorry, your, your synopsis of the attempting to not be super bitter, uh, but at the same time saying like, yeah, if only they'll do a little bit. Wouldn't that be great? Um, yeah, it would be great. Yeah, but you're not wrong, right? Like, even if, and I'll, I'll, I'll give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, even if the GOP is making strides for election integrity, they are not communicating it worth a damn. Or even if, even when they do communicate it, it feels like it feels like there's there's not actually anything there. It all feels vapid. Um, and I think that that's a, it now it, I, I'm willing to accept that that could just be a problem with poor messaging from the GOP or they're not doing Maybe. anything. And, but to be completely fair with you, I'm not willing, I'm not willing to sit here and tell everybody, well, no, they're taking it super serious, everybody. And they're out there fighting the good fight. It's just really hard. I'm not willing to say that because I don't feel yeah. like I'm getting that. And the problem and the reason why. I would say a primary reason why, and I think it's important to talk about this because we are heading in, you know, to an election season. The reason why is when something happens, like take Arizona, either Carrie Lake was cheated out of the governor's race or she's a crazy person. That's it. Like those, those are your two choices. Either Carrie Lake, either she has at least somewhat of a decent case about fraud being committed by Katie Hobbs, who was the secretary of state at the time. Um, And there was obviously, as everyone knows, watching like Maricopa County and all this other stuff, there were a bunch of only like specifically Republican dominated counties that had all of their uh, machines fail just magically after a system update, all of these machines turned off and made it to where people couldn't vote um, in a dom- in a uh, an election where dominantly Republicans vote the day of, well, either that's legitimate or she's a crazy person, and the GOP likes to play it halfway. They don't fully acknowledge nor support her current legal battles when it comes to investigating the election, but they also don't completely dismiss them either. Right. And that fence sitting leaves everything open to interpretation. And it seems very weird because I don't know about you, but if I if I was a political party and I felt like any race was cheated away from me, um, I would that that would be my number one thing because you can't like everything. Nothing else matters if the other side is cheating because it doesn't matter how much money you spend or how many votes you gather or what your infrastructure is. None of it matters if they cheat. Exactly. And so I, I honestly am perplexed because if I looking at the GOP establishment, 
they don't believe that fraud is real at all. They don't believe that the Democrats commit fraud at all. Because they certainly don't act like it. So. No, they certainly don't. And I think that's the, that is a, a big point of contention that a lot of us are getting pretty salty about. Is if it, and I guess it's more, we don't necessarily have to prove all of the fraud. But what we all I have to do is point and say, if there was fraud, the GOP is incapable of doing anything to stop it. Right. Yeah, they'll just shirk back and be like, well, guys, I mean, come on, let's just move on. Let's just move on, everybody. That yeah, seems to exactly. be that that seems to be the uh, uh, overveiling opinion of GOP politicians. The GOP establishment is, oh, well, gosh, guys, they stole it from us, but let's just move on. Right. And that's kind of that's the frustrating part that you want to go. But if there, there are enough GOP voters are concerned that there was fraud in the last election, that the GOP needs to do something, I would say, very serious in order to assure its own voters that it is worth their time to keep voting. Right. I, I'm, I guess I'm also surprised that this has not resulted in a serious funding shortage for the GOP. Because you'd think many GOP voters are right now probably very hesitant to donate funds to in, to the GOP, thinking, well, why would I donate money? You, It's just going to be stolen in fraud. Right. This well, is why I think Donald Trump was able to unilaterally raise a lot of money, because I think a lot of voters probably felt more comfortable donating to Donald Trump, to the Trump campaign, rather than to the GOP. Right, because because he at least was um, saying something. Now, right, and I could I could see there being a little more feeling of a, there is going to be accountability um, for that those funds for that money that was spent. Not sure how. It's hard to know exactly what Trump did with all the money, but <laughs> it is. Yeah. At least understandable that that people would look at it and think I would. This is a safer bet than just giving it to a GOP that has not proven it is willing or capable of dealing with voter fraud. Right. Now, obviously, the other aspect when it comes to fighting and things that are going on is we talked um, last week. We we discussed the. Um, we discussed the situation that was uh, the basically the war between Trump and DeSantis. And we explained uh, a lot of like what, what can be frustrating and obnoxious about all of that. But now we have yet again another indictment. And this is not a situation where if you want if you want to reveal to everybody um, that you're a partisan hack in a sense, in reality, like, look. If someone's a DeSantis supporter, that's totally fine by me. I, I absolutely understand why somebody supports Ron DeSantis. The problem is now is that there's this cancer that exists in the body politic where, well, I really want Ron DeSantis to win. And I know that Donald Trump's basically the presumptive nominee. So I'm going to basically have to be OK with this indictment and in fact say that it's not complete bullshit 
because that basically kills my uh, argument for voting for Ron DeSantis because nobody wants to let the deep state win, right? You don't, you're not going to win Republican voters by being like, well, let's let the angry evil Democrats win on this one because then we'll have Ron DeSantis guys, right? That's not a good, that's not a good message for anybody. Yeah. So, um, no, it doesn't feel very satisfying at all. <laughs> like, let's let the enemy win so that we can maybe get some win later. No, no one's going to fall for that. Yeah. So no one's going to be excited about that because we're talking about voter, basically voter excitement. I mm-hmm. think that voters need to be excited that that whatever they vote for is going to get some gain or get something rather than just, oh, it's the best of the worst options. That's terrible. No one actually is motivated by that. They kind of they vote for it begrudgingly. But if I was a political party, I would look at that and say, the last thing we want, the bare minimum is people begrudgingly voting for us. That gives you maybe a couple wins. But what would be so much more beneficial is if you looked at it and said, how can we get our voters to excitedly vote for us? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that usually comes with an expectation that you actually deliver on the promises you're making to voters. And the GOP has serious problems with being able to do that. No matter how much they want to, I think the GOP's hands are very much tied in their ability to actually deliver real results to their voters for a whole variety of reasons. But let's say one thing. Let's say um, gun rights. Mm-hmm. Could the GOP, if it had control of Congress, Senate, and the presidency, actually enact something that would repeal and push back all of the gun control movement? They should be able to. They would have the ability to do so on paper. But could they actually do that in reality? I don't think that most GOPers, even if they had Congress, the Senate, and the presidency, and the Supreme Court, I don't know if they would have the if they would have the political will to actually do something to actually do something that would further enshrine gun rights for the entire United States. And I think that's really the problem with the GOP is even if they have all the power in the world, would the GOP be able to use that power? to push back the gains of the left. And I think that is a very difficult challenge for the GOP because so many of them are feckless. So do you have concerns over the two top candidates before we dive into this Jack Smith stuff, the guy who's part of these indictments? Do you have concerns? What are your concerns for each candidate, Donald Trump and, and Ron DeSantis? Let's just be honest. There's two candidates running. I don't care who else is there. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have concerns over each no. candidate um, on their ability to actually do what you just laid out? Basically, reverse. Yeah. Like, like It's not about fighting the left. It's about reversing what the left has done, reversing the damage. It's more than just arguing with the left. And it's more than just having good sound bites that make leftists look stupid. You are specifically saying we need to reverse progressivism in the United States. What are your concerns for each candidate, for Donald Trump and for Ron DeSantis, in being able to achieve that goal? I think the big thing is there's only so much they could do as president. And you would need a Congress and Senate of almost equally dedicated people to make this make that a reality maybe they i think that they could 
pushed through a bunch of executive orders to do a lot of things that we would like. But they're always going to be hampered by a Congress and Senate full of basically full of GOP, basically traitors, or at least GOP politicians that can't be relied upon to support any agenda that pushes back the left. That's like, and I think that's my biggest concern is when they inevitably run up against a wall of the left being very upset that we're taking back the country, are they going to commit to doing things that their own people will tell them will be unpopular? Like even probably things that are very simple as it's June and President DeSantis is in office and a bunch of LGBT groups are clamoring for when where's the pride flag flying above the White House mm-hmm. and President DeSantis might go, honestly, I was kind of elected to not do this. My voters don't I don't want this. But would he come under a bunch of scrutiny from leftist groups that are concerned about the that if he doesn't put a pride flag on the White House, it represents the genocide of black and brown and trans bodies, would DeSantis cave? Would he go, fine, we'll put up the damn pride flag? I feel like he would. I feel Trump would probably even do the same thing. And I think that's my big concern with any of them, is in order to actually walk back and push out the leftist nonsense you would have to do things that are going to inevitably cause severe criticism, pushback, and gnashing of teeth by left-wing activists, by left-wing Democrat voters, by the entire news media. It's like you prick if you prick that animal just a little bit, the entire thing rears up and attacks you. Would they have the balls to actually do that and then stay the course and see that through? I am very I'm not confident they would. I think that every analyst would be telling them, you need to do the nice thing and be nice to the left. I think every GOP politician would be saying, like, I was reading on Twitter that you should be nice to the left. (laughs) And I don't feel that I'm at least worried that Trump and DeSantis would both essentially cave and try to play this. I'm the president for all Americans. I'm not politically partisan, blah, blah, blah. When the reality is what we all want is for them to absolutely be politically partisan, for them to make an enemy of the left and stay an enemy of the left. I don't want a president that's a president for Democrats. I want a president that's a president for me, because if it's not for me, if it's trying to play this egalitarian, you know, we're working with people across the aisle. That's only going to be slightly less wins for Democrats than if we just had a Democrat president. I want wins for Republicans. I want losses for Democrats. And we're never going to get that unless you have a president, probably backed up by Congress and Senate of of GOPers, that commits to making Democrats lose. And I can see that that phrasing is going to be very scary for anyone who's actually a politician. It's like DeSantis, for example. Is DeSantis going to sit there and say, how do I make Democrats lose today rather than publicly going, no, I'm the president for everybody. I, I don't represent any. I'm not a Nazi. Oh, God. It's going to be a, that I guess that fight I can see as being very big and very difficult. And the left is intentionally going to make it as emotionally difficult as possible for any president to hold the line and stay the course of making Democrats lose. It's an interesting um, 
It's an interesting thing you bring up there because, right, so like, for example, I, I, I see a lot of these arguments on social media, <clears throat> which is like, um, well, actually, there's a big news story about it is um, the other day, Biden draped a pride flag in the center of uh, the White House rotunda. So there's three American flags that sit there and in the center in violation of the U.S. code on flag. Uh, the U.S. flag code, he draped a pride flag over the center. So it is flanked by um, the star-spangled banner on each side, but it is center, which is the 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 American flag, the star-spangled banner, is never uh, on the sides. Right. It's always in the center and and higher than everything else. Yeah, it's, it's always on the center. It's If it, if it is... If it is a, of an equal height, then it is in the center. Uh, if it is not, uh, or, or otherwise, it will always be flown higher than the other flags. So, okay, well, of course, Democrats don't care about the flag code. They'll set. They will set. This is this is where it gets interesting. They will set fire to an American flag and and state that it is a First Amendment right. But remember, we've had plenty of stories. We've all seen plenty of stories of people being arrested for hate crimes for burning a pride flag or when they put the pride flag on like the middle of the road and somebody drives a truck across it or a car across it and leaves skid marks on it. They want to go after those people for um, a hate crime. So it is very obvious this is no longer just a meme that's used by trolls on Twitter, but there is a new American flag for the left, and it is not the star-spangled banner. The new flag for the left is the pride flag. Oh, well, and especially the special pride flag that's got the... It's the all-inclusive one. They keep changing it, but it's got the yellow triangle with the purple circle representing indigenous people. It's got the triangle with the black and brown representing people of color it's got the trans colors on it and interestingly if you look at that flag the one thing that every single group on that represented on that flag has in common is their inability to create white children the only place for white americans on that flag is if you're gay or trans which essentially means you're sterile Interesting. I don't know if anyone on the I don't know if anyone on the left has put that together, but I certainly have. The only place on that flag for white Americans is a position where they will not be able to reproduce. That is a well. It well, and you go along with how everything comes from the the way that the left speaks when it comes when they talk about things like demographic change. You know, the whole great replacement theory yeah. that would make sense, right? Now, so, the, it's one of those things that I don't know if the left if, is, did that intentionally, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they did. Well, at a, at a minimum, at a minimum, you can at least look at that and say that if anyone ever wants to know, you know, maybe maybe you have a buddy or somebody, you know, that talks about the great replacement theory. And you're just like, where is this person getting this? Where is this possibly coming from? Well, that is a part of it. Yeah. You know, that is where it's coming from. Now, what's interesting of, uh, about some of this is you brought up you brought up like the candidates. Now, I don't know specifically about Ron DeSantis, but there was obviously. So, well, 
let me back it up a little bit. One of the things that needs to be understood about the right, and regardless of people's separate and personal opinions on a lot of things, the reality is the majority of people on the right um, don't care necessarily. Well, they don't care about people's individual choices. They only really care about state mandated situations. The right, the the way that the right wing is set up and the ideology that it pushes forward is they support individualism and abhor collectivism at the end of the day. With that being said, sure. like when it comes to things like pride, transgenders, any of that. Nobody gives a damn if like yeah. an adult male decides that they're a woman, like in reality, in people's personal lives, they don't care. The only thing that they right. actually care about is you don't get to push this and force this on other people. It's your personal choice, but it stops at your personal choice. It does not become someone else's obligation. Full stop. That's it. Yeah. Now, the problem is where we see a conflict as people and as voters, as people who pay attention to these news stories, is there's always this discussion about how republicanism can be big tent. And that is very true. There's a lot of republicanism that can just be very big tent politics. Like, can someone who's gay be a Republican? Yes, there's nothing that conflicts ideologically about somebody who's gay and republicanism. Same thing with trans. There's nothing that conflicts ideologically with someone who's trans being a Republican. But there is a conflict when you go beyond just that simple I, that simple identity aspect of it and move into the, but what is the culture of that group doing? And the realization, and this is where um, right-wing politicians consistently fail, is for us. When you talk about Basically, if somebody came up to me and says, oh, by the way, I'm gay in a situation mm-hmm. where it makes zero sense why they would explain that to me, my brain immediately goes, okay, this is one of those real important aspects of this person. And so they're more than likely one of those people that feels like they have to push that at everyone. And yeah, the reason why this becomes such an issue is for the everyday American, they're so tired of these agendas being forced down their throat that they take Richard Grinnell is a really great example. Richard Grinnell was an ambassador for the Trump administration. He happens to be gay. So he is a huge Trump fan. Um, he's on honestly has been really good at communicating like Trump's ideas and his foreign policy. He's been very combative with the left. So he's a great resource. But there is actually this consistent concern when you take somebody like, for example, Richard Grinnell. If he's a huge fan of Donald Trump and he's a member of his administration, or let's just say, like, what if he's actually like a uh, a solid advisor of Trump? How hard is Richard Grinnell going to push back on the LGBTQ agenda when he, in fact, is one of those people? Now, I'm not saying he won't, but the problem for the everyday American is that identitarian nonsense is what is constantly weaponized against us. Yes. And 
when you see things like there's always that picture of Trump holding up the uh, pride flag that says LGBT for Trump. Yeah. That worries people. Right. It worries people Mm -hmm. exactly because when push comes to shove, if an LGBTQ group is trying to do something, change something or do something that mo- that normal Americans do not like, as in promoting basically pornographic books in children's schools, are our elected representatives going to take our side or are they going to take the side of the LGBT groups? Right. And a lot of Americans, uh, at least myself, I don't have the confidence that any politician that holds up a pride flag or supports any of this pride nonsense will side with me and will side with parents and will side with all the normal people against those LGBT groups if push comes to shove. And I think that's exactly the problem with this big tent republicanism is that the, the conflict it runs into is you inevitably have people inside that big tent who are who have conflicting values and do not see each other as allies. And when you have that happen, that tent's going to rip itself apart. Well, and, and to be honest, it's, it's like what, what I'm, what I'm kind of driving at a little bit is like, can you make the case for big tent, big tent Republicanism? The answer is yes, you absolutely can. But where the case falls apart and this would be actually really evident, the 2020 election was a really great example of where that case starts to fall apart. And, uh, the biggest thing was all the virtue signaling because it was an election year and the responses of the like GOP establishment being like, no, we're not actually bigots. Like the left says, guys, you see, we've got a gay black veteran here to speak to everybody about like how he's right wing. And okay. Like maybe that guy actually believes every single thing that I do, but the fact that the GOP felt a need to focus like he's gay and black and that makes him more special. My response yeah. is, "Up oh, shit. Okay, so that you have now fallen into leftism. You have fallen right. into leftism because you think that makes that person special." Right. It's the same as if a politician is cares so much to perform a little show how much they care about the black vote when if it comes to say getting rid of affirmative action and Will they fight that hard for it or will they conveniently suddenly forget that that's that that sort of thing, which is anti, say, free market or giving unfair advantage to people who haven't earned it? Will they suddenly forget that they ever cared about that sort of thing when it comes to getting rid of affirmative action because it will hurt their standing with the minority community? Right. And I think that's my that is at least my issue with a lot of the pandering that the GOP does to special interest groups is that it basically tells me that our values are simply getting elected. Our values are not standing up for anything that America are not standing up for anything. Our values are basically meaningless. It's simply whatever we can do and say to get, to get voted into office to then do what like that's, that's the whole point is the reason I'm electing. I want these people to get elected. The reason I'm supporting them, the reason I'm hoping that they take control of my country is that they will then pursue a course that will be unpopular with the people that I think are enemies of my country. Well, and mm-hmm. that 
and I if if they are too busy courting every single person in the country for support, how can they ever take a line that is unpopular with any of those people? What are they going to do with power if I hand it to them other than just sit on their sit on their hands the whole time? So it's interesting that you bring that up because let like let this is a good segue into tar- looking at how how does the left, how does the Democrat party on the other side, how do they react to certain things? And this is uh, we're going to use this prosecutor Jack Smith as the example of the way that the left combats the right versus what we always see from the GOP. So Jack Smith, for those who uh, haven't been paying attention, is the prosecutor uh, is the prosecutor who just uh, released the indictment against Trump. And he may seem relatively unknown to a lot of people, but he is not in political circles. In fact, this guy now when you when you read through basically his background, he is absolutely the perfect bag man when it comes to the Democrats. So let, let me give you a background of, of, of Jack Smith here. So he, became, he, he came to the Department of Justice, to their public integrity unit in 2010. And this was after Attorney General Eric Holder had to clean house after the overturned conviction against Alaska Senator Ted Stevens, uh, which the Associated Press revealed Uh, that the public integrity section had withheld exculpatory evidence from the Republican lawmakers legal team. So attorney general Eric Holder under Barack Obama was already prosecuting the political enemies of the Democrat party. And he ended up having to clean house in 2010. So 13 years ago, because they were already being shady as hell and withholding exculpatory evidence from the defense team of a Democrat senator specifically to try to convict him. So they were, this was already happening, right? Right. Now in his five year tenure, so from 2010 to 2015 at the head of the public integrity unit and uh, what he's been up to since is he's had overturned uh, overturned guilty verdicts against Republican lawmakers that he was responsible for prosecuting. And he has an association with one infamous Obama-era figure and his wife's association with Michelle Obama. And a lot of this comes from actually a uh, an article from the Gateway Pundit. So the funny part is they call him a war crimes prosecutor, <coughs> according mm. to the AP. So as it says, that glowing war crimes prosecutor copy was from the AP reporting on Smith's appointment as special counsel by Attorney General Merrick Garland in November of last year. Quote, Jack Smith told the Associated Press in an interview in 2010 that he'd read about the Stevens case and couldn't, uh, that's Ted Stevens from Alaska, and couldn't resist the chance to step in and run the section, the wire service reported. I had a dream job. I had no desire to leave it, but opportunities like this don't come up very often. I left the dream job for a better one. In other words, this guy left the uh, position that he had uh, at The Hague. So he initially was actually at The Hague uh, pursuing war crimes 
uh, supposedly. Uh, and he left that dream job because he saw the Department of Justice targeting a Republican senator and was like, I want to get in on that. That's my dream job. So yep. now he has the dream indictment of any career Democrat, a 37 count indictment against Trump, including charges of willful retention of national defense information, conspiracy to obstruct justice and false statements. But isn't Smith supposed to be impartial? So let's take a look at whether or not he can be impartial. So biggest knock against Smith, his involvement with the Obama era internal revenue service figure, Lois Lerner, and the scandal that led to her resignation. Lerner, the director of the exempt organizations unit at the IRS, slow walked the approval of Tea Party affiliated and other conservative groups before the 2012 uh, before the 2012 election, blunting the impact they might have had. As head of the Department of Justice's Public Integrity Unit, the Washington Examiner noted Smith was closely involved in targeting the Tea Party groups for extra scrutiny. Quote, Jack Smith was looking for ways to prosecute innocent Americans that Lois Lerner targeted during the IRS scandal, said Ohio Republican Representative Jim Jordan, now the head of the House Judiciary Committee, in a statement to the Washington Examiner upon Smith's appointment as special counsel in November. Both mm -hmm. Jordan and GOP California Representative Daryl Issa, who led the House Oversight Committee at the time, tried to get Smith to testify back in 2014 about his role in the targeting scandal. It is apparent that the department that the department's leadership, including Public Integrity Section Chief Jack Smith, was closely involved in engaging with the IRS in the wake of Citizens United and and uh, and political pressure from prominent de Democrats to address perceived problems with the decision. The representative said in a media release at the time, Citizens United versus the FEC was a landmark Supreme Court case which held that prohibitions on independent expenditures by corporations or private groups in elections was an unconstitutional breach of the First Amendment's right to free expression. The IRS targeting scandal was, in large part, triggered by the lifting of those prohibitions, with Lerner telling an audience at Duke University that the IRS was under pressure to, quote, fix the problem the decision created before the 2010 midterms. Just days before the speech, Isa and Jordan said in the letter, quote, the Justice Department convened a meeting with former IRS official Lois Lerner in October 2010 to discuss how the IRS could assist in the criminal enforcement of campaign finance laws against politically active nonprofits. This meeting was arranged at the direction of Public Integrity Section Chief Jack Smith. So, number one, we have Jack Smith being a very serious part of the IRS targeting specifically religious and conservative groups. So much so, by the way, and it was so provable that the United States government had to publicly apologize to those groups. For targeting them, was anybody fired from this? Or no, were any only reforms made. Lo Lois Lois Lerner resigned. That's the worst that oh. happened. Okay, 
So I guess she resigned. But she wasn't, you know, like no. sent to jail no. or no, no. They didn't like enact a bunch of new rules saying the IRS couldn't do this again. No. Well, I, I there there was I don't know specifically about rules that were enacted. I'm sure that there's something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably weak and and e- easily easily avoided or what have you. But in reality, like Lois Lerner resigned and then likely was given a like cushy position somewhere else. She's probably making far more money and working far less. That's the reality of it. Now that's number one, but there's another case. So there's the case of the Virginia uh, Republican governor, Bob McDonald, who was convicted on corruption counts in 2014 after being prosecuted by Jack Smith. Oh, the government argued that McDonald McDonald took improper gifts from a political donor. However, that conviction was overturned by a unanimous eight to zero Supreme Court decision in June of 2016. Hmm. So the case was so bad that now remember, so this was 2016. So Anton, uh, Antonin Scalia had just died or had died. And so there was a vacancy on the court, but it was it was eight zero. It was while Obama was in office. And so you had Justice Elena Kanan, Kagan. You had Justice uh, Sonia Sotomayor and you had Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And you had uh, the the other one. Oh, what was that guy's name? Stevens. All mm-hmm. of those. Mm-hmm. You had all of those liberal justices look at the case that Jack Smith had put together and said, no, 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 I'm sorry. No, absolutely not. Nope, nope, nope. And and these people are activists. At least some of them are. Every single one of them had to overturn this case. But what we're seeing here is that this guy absolutely has made a career out of targeting Republicans and doing such a bad job that all of the cases get overturned. Now you, an educated person, a reasonable and rational person might ask yourself why this guy still has a job, even though he keeps losing these cases. Do you have any idea why they might keep employing him? Even though he's constantly losing these cases, Alan, because he is willing to take the fight to their enemies. That's that there certainly is that right. That's that's definitely a true statement. But even though he keeps I mean, he losing, he probably could make he mm-hmm. could probably make more money working at a different firm doing something else. But because he is so he is a true believer and ideologically motivated, he is a useful tool. There's certainly that like I, I can't I, I honestly can't argue that point. The point that I would make. That makes it a little bit easier, or not not easier, but another reason why they may not care about his record is the process is the punishment. It's not actually about getting people Mm -hmm. convicted. It's the process being the punishment. True. Yeah, that's very much much it. I think that that, well, think, think about it. Look at what's going on with, with Trump. Well, don't even have to look at Trump. Look at what's going on with all the Trump associates. All of these people that were uh, basically ambushed going to the airport or 
dropping their kids off from at school, ambushed by the by the Department of Justice and thrown in irons and dragged off to some frivolous court hearing that they just sort of that their lawyers just kind of beat for them. Right. I mean, look at people like uh, what is it, Roger Stone, who had his life upended by all of this nonsense, only to be basically vindicated. Look at the January 6th people. Like a lot of them aren't getting charged with things that are were all that ridiculous, all that uh, serious. But they languished in jail cells for some of them almost over two years. Yeah. Sat there in jail cells for years to get a misdemeanor for parading. Yes. So the, like, it's, like you said, the process is the punishment. Going through the American judicial system is a punishment in and of itself, and the left knows this, and it's exactly why they support doing these things. They don't have to get a conviction. The actual conviction is secondary, and a lot of times they probably even know that they can't get the convictions that they would really like, but that's not the point. The point is you can mire someone down and essentially take them off the board while they are mired down dealing with this whole legal fiasco. So it's a way to take players off the board in a way that is easy because it trying to do if we were the right trying to do this, we would probably be focused on how can we absolutely put these people away or get them out of politics or have a serious. How can we actually make this stick? Whereas the left doesn't care. It's like all we need to do is have enough judges and lawyers that we can actually that are in our pocket to just get these people mired down in a legal proceeding because then they can't focus on anything else and it kind of will totally railroad their life. Mm-hmm. And it's an effective tactic. It works. Yeah, it's undeniably effective. <laughs> but like, and, and so once again, like, do does the left care whether or not any of this uh, information sticks? No, absolutely not. Uh, they they don't care whether or not Jack Smith. And by the way, there's another indictment that's going to happen when it comes to January 6th. So you have Alvin Bragg in Manhattan who's trying to indict Trump over like something as dumb as like paperwork, basically. Uh, now you have Jack. You have Jack Smith, who's who is trying to argue the legalities of something that, by the way, has already been argued legally. And has come back with when Bill Clinton had a bunch of uh, recordings and things in his sock drawer. The courts came back and said that the president has the right to retain whatever records they want. So this has actually already been solved in a court. And Donald Trump was the president of the United States, as opposed to uh, Joe Biden, who was the vice president and a senator and had classified documents strewn all over the United States to include at the University of Pennsylvania in his own frickin' garage and in an office in Chinatown in D.C. Yeah. But they're not prosecuting that. They're not going after Joe Biden at all. At the same time, Hillary Clinton had, who was only the Secretary of State, not the President of the United States, had classified information that was traversing a server that was in her bathroom in Chappaqua, New York, where she was not allowed to have any of that at all whatsoever. And not only did she have classified information, but when it was subpoenaed by Congress, they destroyed all of it. Yeah. No conviction, no... No grand jury investigation, no indictment. And yep. 
James Comey came out and set a legal precedent in a sense as the head of the FBI came out in 2016 and said, well, she didn't plan on doing anything bad, so it's okay. Now understand, there is a very distinct difference here. The Secretary of State is not a classification authority, whereas the President of the United States is. So if Jim Comey can come out and say that because Hillary Clinton had no ill intent of doing anything bad with the classified information, that's, that is now the legal bar that needs to be crossed. So the first thing that Trump's legal team needs to do is just prove he didn't have any ill intent. He wasn't trying to do anything bad with the documents that he had, because that's now the legal bar that's been set. And even if that doesn't work, they can then say, well, nothing that he retained was classified because he's the president of the United States and the ultimate classification authority, which by the way, we also have situations where that kind of information stuff that stuff that was classified, that was accidentally stated in public has immediately become declassified. A really good example is the dumbass vice president at the time, Joe Biden, accidentally told reporters that SEAL Team 6 was the team that was responsible for taking out bin Laden. That was absolutely classified information. He accidentally said that, and then it became declassified because he said it. The government declassified that information. Oh, and by the way, it absolutely resulted in reprisal killings of uh, Navy SEALs in Afghanistan. Mm. I mean, all of that would is absolutely damning. And if and if things were being run effectively, that would certainly have spelled the end of the political career to all of these people. Right. But what this shows is it's not like that. It's not like the left actually thinks they're going to get a conviction here. The entire point of this is just to mire Trump down. It is just to have and like and to an obscene amount. Look at how much they're doing. Why wouldn't you think that they would focus all of their energy on the best case they have as opposed to, well, he had some weird business stuff over here. So Alvin, you go get him over there. Okay. Now, Jack, you're going to get him on classified document stuff. And okay. Other guy, you're going to go after him for January 6th. We got to come at him from all angles. Like there is zero. There is not a single person in the United States of America that can make an argument that this isn't absolutely just petty targeting of a political opponent. Full stop. Right. That's it. it is. And then the question would then be, so what? Right. Well, but you're, you're correct. It except, works. except the left, the left and the media, and even some people on the right want to still pretend like we need to argue the process here. Yeah. Like why is anyone even debating whether this has any merit? I know I just went through the whole reason why it's meritless, but why is anyone even debating whether it has merit? The entire GOP just merely needs to say, yeah, they're just unfairly targeting Trump because they fucking hate him. And this is all bullshit. It would be certainly useful if the GOP could just say that. 
And so that needs to be where the pressure is applied because I think that I think that right now the easiest way to disenchant voters heading into the next election is to even pretend like any of this is legitimate. And I'm saying this specifically for DeSantis supporters because DeSantis supporters are the ones that are going to fall into that trap because they really want DeSantis to be the nominee. And because of that, they're going to inadvertently argue for the left. Sure. And that is a trap that we cannot fall into. And to be fair, in a lot of ways, like, we have to fight. If you're... How? What is the average... I mean, it's like, when you say we have to fight, what does that mean? It means that regardless of who you want to win in the primary, you are going to have to get behind Trump on this. You're going to have to see past the I really want it to be, I mean, I don't think anyone supports any of the other candidates, but as opposed to if you think that, even if you think that Ron DeSantis has the greatest chance of winning uh, in the primary, you still need to push as hard as possible back against any indictment against Trump. Everyone needs to coalesce singularly. You need to show the GOP establishment that they have to push back against all of this or you will just stay home. That's it. It has to be simple as that. The GOP, if they want to have any votes whatsoever in 2024, has to fight back. People could let the GOP know. Yeah, that's it. It's as simple as that. It has to be even. And like I said, it doesn't matter who you support. People need to understand that. This is beyond Trump. They're going to do the same thing to Ron DeSantis. They're going to do the same thing to Vivek Ramaswamy. They're going to do the same thing to every single politician. So you need to basically hold your vote hostage. In fact, I think that in all, everyone should be extremely suspicious of any GOP politician that is not a target of the left, that doesn't get targeted with this sort of legal lawfare uh, by the Democrat Party, because that means that they're not a threat to the Democrat Party, and those people are are a threat to you and I. It's very interesting that you bring that up because do you know who else had classified documents in their possession? Oh, who? Who could it be? Mike Pence. Oh, good old, good old Mike Pence. And wasn't he like a religious right-wing fascist kook? Yeah, I was told that he was. Except. Then he basically betrayed us, so. Yeah, did, is that how he got himself out of? I was told the same thing about John McCain, to be honest. I was told the same same thing about George W. Bush, but all of them were too busy jerking off Obama. <laughs> so it really proves that all those attacks on them were really just sort of lies in the first place. And they really were all on the same team. Yeah. Yeah, if you ever wonder where the uniparty concept comes from, it's stuff like that. Like, why yeah. wouldn't the left want to get Mike Pence? Why wouldn't be, you want to take the entire Trump administration down? Better better question in my mind is why wouldn't why would Pence 
want to cooperate with anyone on the left. Well, why why would John McCain feel there's feel the future that the Democrat Party was going to bring to America was anything that he, his values or his voters would want? Right. How does Mike Pence look at the United States, look at the Democrat Party, look at the values that the left promotes and think, ah, this will create a good country for my children? I don't understand how they do that, but they do that in droves and consistently across their careers. Right. And and that's ultimately, that's really what it like. It, it, the suspicion that exists on the right is rightfully so, because we've seen all of these things that you had just described. But at the same time, like what I said is with the idea of holding your vote hostage, I need people to understand, number one. That is kind of what happened in Georgia. And think about this for a second. There's a lot of there's a lot of people, a lot of commentators that got really upset in the Georgia Senate race right at which occurred right after the presidential election. And one of the things that people like Eric Erickson, who's in Atlanta, Georgia, cries incessantly about is Donald Trump lost the Senate because he whined so much about election integrity in Georgia and convinced people. Um, and by the way, this is this is provable. If we're going to be completely honest, it's provable by the numbers. A lot of Republicans stayed home because after all the weird shit that happened in Atlanta with pipes bursting that didn't actually happen and people blocking windows and all this other nonsense, a lot of Republicans stayed home and didn't vote, which allowed uh, the 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 like uh, senators like Raphael Warnick to win. To win the uh, special election shortly after, uh, shortly after the 2020 general election, and everyone's pissed about that. Everyone on the right was pissed off because Trump lost us the Senate. Trump lost us the Senate. If he hadn't whined about this, Trump wouldn't. We wouldn't have lost the Senate. You deserved to lose. And that is, I think, something that I didn't say at the time. It's something that I didn't see a lot of people saying at the time. But you know what? You deserve to lose. You deserved to lose. You deserve it. Mm-hmm. Good, good. I'm glad you lost the Senate. I hope it hurts like hell. I really do. Because at a certain point, the GOP does need, like, does the left need to be punished for their corruption? Yes. But you know who needs to be punished even more? The right. The GOP needs to be punished for their cowardice. You deserve to lose. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to say. Like, do I want the left to win? Absolutely not. But am I willing to say, let's just let them prosecute Trump unjustly and do all of this nonsense just to make sure that that Joe Biden isn't the president of the United States? No. I think if the GOP doesn't fight back as hard as possible, and by the way, there's another thing for me. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this, Alan, because you do ask, what else can we do? Another thing, you need to impeach Joe Biden. I mean, I don't really have the power to impeach Joe no, Biden. No, no, no. Let, let, let me go. <laughs> so we have the investigation, like the uh, 1023, I think it is, the form that came from the FBI. It mm-hmm. came out, and in, the, in that uh, confidential human source report that Congress has been trying to get, which, by the way, was released the exact same day that this indictment dropped. Uh, which we would like to point out is the perfect way for the news to shift focus away. If you if you think that that's coincidental, you're an idiot. 
Um, 100%, the Biden administration released the indictment against Trump on the exact same day that the um, House Oversight Committee or House Judiciary Committee released the information on that confidential human source who said that, ding, 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 Burisma paid Joe Biden $5 million to get the prosecutor in Ukraine fired who was investigating Burisma. Yep. Oh, okay. the billionaire that owns Burisma also was responsible for funding Zelensky's presidential run. Oh, shocking. It's almost like we're literally fight we're literally financing a war in Ukraine. Not because Ukraine's this great bastion of democracy, but because when Russia rolls tanks into Kiev, they're gonna find evidence of corruption against the Democrat Party. Right. So yeah, it's <laughs> The Democrats will lose their little money laundering playground. Yeah, as we've said, that's the roughest part. This information came out and I was actually upset because I was like, oh, well, we've already called this. There's nothing new here. Yeah. <laughs> but point is, the GOP needs to impeach Joe Biden because he... Here's what's going to happen. They're going to be like, well, if we go and impeach Joe Biden now, it's going to look like we're just mad that they're going after Trump. Okay, then you deserve to lose. Yeah. That's it. Well, I mean, if we go after him during an election year, we're going to look as bad as the left. Okay, then you deserve to lose. Yeah. And that's what I'm telling everybody. If you want to know my advice, if the GOP isn't going to impeach Joe Biden and go after him for the corruption in Ukraine, if the GOP isn't going to rank and file stand behind Trump and push back as hard and ferociously with every legal potential and possibility as possible to include Republican attorneys general filing alongside Trump to push back against this absolute psychopathy of the left, then you deserve to lose withhold your vote because it doesn't matter. Your vote doesn't matter in this situation. It doesn't matter because even if let's say that there's no fraud in the next election, Okay, great. Let's say it becomes President Ron DeSantis. Okay. Uh oh, this might sound weird. A bunch of leftist uh a bunch of leftist prosecutors are going to mire Ron DeSantis down with a bunch of legal nonsense. Do you know why? Because you didn't do anything when they did it to Trump. Your vote won't matter. Right. Simple as that. Mhm. So, you're going to have to clear this ver- this this hurdle first. Or else it doesn't matter who you put in office. Even if a Republican wins, the Democrats will still win. Yeah. And it's all about making Democrats lose, which really is the goal, should be our only goal. Right. <laughs> because, like we said, even when Donald Trump won in 2016, which no one expected, the Democrats actually still won. Yeah. Yeah. Because look, look at where we are. Uh, sorry, look at where we are now. Do you feel like the left lost? No. So anyway, let's talk. Let's let's clean our palate of all this bullshit and let's talk about something fa- something even more fascinating. Unless you have anything to wrap that up, Alan. No, not particularly. Okay. Do you agree? Do you think withholding the vote will do anything? No. 
Yeah. Okay. That's, that's funny. I, I think I don't. I think at the federal level, it pretty much it's so deadlocked. I think that the only real hope is at the local and state level in getting enough support and friends in power at the local and state level that they can then cause conflict with the federal government is the only way forward. That is hoping, hoping that we can just elect someone into office. That's going to swoop in and solve all our problems is an absolute fantasy and is never going to work and never going to happen at the national level. We are far too divided and the left is basically far too entrenched to have any hope of, of, reversing course at the at the federal level like the whole thing has to be ripped out from the roots and i just don't see the republicans having the political will necessary currently to do that on any short range time scale the best we can hope for is to basically through your state or even your local community but mostly i think mostly your state because the states are set up in the republic system to be an effective bulwark to essentially start doing things that conflict with the federal government and forcing the federal government to either back down or respond because the federal at the end of the day the federal government can is going to back down from conflicts with the states even if they don't think they will if you are if you say the state of wyoming for example can can enact some legislate can enact a legislation the federal government doesn't like what's the federal government going to do all they can do is stay take the state to court but there's only so much power they can flex on a legitimate state government making legitimate uh, strides say vote say voting I, th- I think voting reform should be a critical focus of state GOP governance and this at the state level I think the GOP has the breathing room to be able to actually make real gains for that state at the federal level things are too I think too just far too deadlocked and the left is far too strong and then the GOP is far too disorganized but your state can do things like enacting um <coughs> becoming like a second amendment sanctuary or enacting abortion bans or banning teaching CRT in schools. And those are things that are going to be real concrete wins for the left in the future. And it will drive the left crazy. And I think that it will only help your state entrench its position as a GOP bastion. And if your state isn't a GOP bastion, then hopefully maybe your county, your locality can, can do that. Something I have great hope for is the, Greater Idaho project where a now large number of counties in Oregon have all voted in favor of joining the state of Idaho and changing the boundaries of the state boundaries. Now, the for that to become a reality is relatively complicated. But the fact that I mean, and we're talking it's, you know, half of all the counties on the eastern side of Oregon have all unanimously voted that they want to change the border and become part of Idaho. Those movements, I think, are absolutely critical and important for the future of the country, because if we can change state boundaries to create Republican or conservative supermajorities, then we can actually start basically creating our own country within a country. It's really interesting that you bring this up because there's a part, there's an aspect of society that a lot of people don't connect to these, these things that you're discussing, right? The, the idea of like creating super majorities and basically solid red States, right? Like no more purple States kind of thing. Yeah. Um, remote work. 
where yeah. the left actually, in a sense, shot itself in the foot was all the COVID stuff resulted in people kind of seeing behind the veil. And a lot of people are able to remote work. So you no longer can force people to have to move to somewhere like New York City or Los Angeles for a specific job or some other large metropolitan area. There's basically over the next coming decade, there is going to be a siphoning in these urban centers of power as Americans, especially your more conservative and more right to center right, Americans go, I don't need to live in this city. I don't have to live in this hellscape. I can move anywhere in the United States I want and still have a viable job. Yeah. And that is going to create a dramatic shift in where the power of the United States exists. Because right Mm -hmm. now, when people talk about like, let's get rid of the electoral college, when they say that, you've all seen, you've all probably seen the map of here's the basically five states that will decide every election if you get rid of the electoral college. Yes. But in 10 years, I'm not saying we should get rid of the electoral college, but in 10 years, those states are going to change. Because why the fuck would anyone live in San Francisco anymore? You're going to pay a million dollars for an apartment to walk out your front door to a human being shitting on the street. Are you kidding me? No one's going to do that anymore. The only reason why people were willing to put up with that is I have to live here to work in Silicon Valley, but that's not true anymore. One, one thing I would say that it is usually thrown up as the problem with that is, oh, all these people are going to move to to red states and turn them blue. And that certainly is a problem that is not to be discounted. However, one of the aspects in blue states and blue cities that keeps them so heavily blue and keeps them enacting these policies that are to the detriment of people that live there is the political machine that has been built up in those cities to ensure a essentially Democrat majority or ensure Democrat control of those cities. For example, places like Seattle, where I live, there is this entire political machine that basically keeps conservatives out of the running for positions of power. Right. And in your red states, you don't necessarily have that already established. So there is a lot more hope that those areas can stay red because they're a lot, generally, I believe, a lot more aligned with what voters actually want rather than many of these blue cities and blue states, which are essentially run by cabals of Democrats that control so many levers of power that they can essentially operate unhindered. Well, and a really great example against that argument, I mean, it's it's anecdotal in a sense, but a great example against that argument is when Ron DeSantis won his first term as governor, it was pretty close between him and Andrew Gillum. Then Florida, which by the way, has one of the highest death rates in the country. People like they, the, the joke is, is that Florida is heaven's waiting room mm-hmm. because a lot of elderly people move there. So they have an extremely large death rate. Even with that, Florida gained um, over the last several years, 
roughly 335,000 people in population. Wow. Um, and a lot of that is attributed to people that are moving. In fact, one of the largest states that had a population transfer to Florida was California. Huge blue state, right? Certainly. Massive blue state. Um, so you had hundreds of thousands of people from California move to the state of Florida. Ron DeSantis won by 20 points. After that population transfer. Now, yeah. does correlation equal causation? Maybe, maybe not. Is it possible that Ron DeSantis, let's say, siphoned all the remaining conservatives out of California? Maybe. I don't know. But at the same point, is it possible that a lot of people that maybe vote Democrat uh, end up going to a red state, looking around and going, oh, like... Is it possible for their eyes to be opened? I think so. I think a lot of normie Democrats, especially now with the left being completely batshit about everything, like literally you have to be like, no, it's totally okay for teachers to hide things from your kids and talk to them about sex without informing you. Yeah. And it's totally okay for us to have drag queens twerk on your children. And if you like protest against it, you're, you're going to be called a terrorist. Like, I, I think there's a lot of normie Democrats that are like, you know what? I don't think I'm a Democrat anymore. Hopefully. So, I mean, fingers crossed on that one. Especially when they go to states like Florida or other states and go, oh, thank God, that's not legal here. Because I have a friend that lives in California who's like six-year-old just came up and said that they're a pixie kin, um, whatever and has been having creepy conversations with their teacher and i realize that if i push back like my friend is terrified because if they go talk to the school about it they might take their kid away yeah that is really very very concerning so um which real quick we'll get into that in a second but i want to i want to talk about aliens alan let's talk about aliens I, we got to talk about aliens all right, so for those of you who have followed us for years, um, you all will know that I have consistently, one of my heroes in broadcasting is Art Bell. And Art Bell ran a late-night podcast, or not podcast, late-night radio show where he would discuss all sorts of paranormal stuff. And it was just amazing, especially because he was really in his heyday in the 1990s when you had stuff like the X-Files and all this other stuff. And it was super, like... Being conspiratorial was awesome. Talking about aliens and Bigfoot and ghosts and all this other stuff was awesome. There was an amazing culture of people that really wanted to get into this. And, and so you had this massive radio show and a lot of different like a lot of different movies and television, all that celebrated the idea that something is out there. But now something has changed. So what we've seen is there was a whistleblower who came out recently and stated that he was a an Air Force officer and that he he basically came out and said the United States government is in possession of otherworldly spacecraft, basically Ooh. alien aircraft, and that we've basically been in this arms race for like 80 years, whatever. So this stuff comes out. It's on mainstream media. People hear him talk about it. Then this week. There's this combined story where there's p 
police body cam footage of something flashing in the sky and looking like it's falling down. And then there's an, a 911 call where a man says that something crashed in his backyard and there are two eight foot creatures with big eyes staring at them. And so what do we wow. have? We have all of this information that would lead us to believe that aliens are here. Right. Awesome. Except now what's different back in the day when coast to coast AM existed and Art Bell would come on the radio, there'd be people on the phone lines. It would be all lit up. They would be talking about their own experiences Everything else, right? And you would have these guests come on and talk about it and like former propulsion engineers, everything. What's happening in that same community? Everyone goes, yeah, this is probably a bullshit psyop distraction. They're trying to distract us from something. What is it they're trying to distract us from? Yeah. Which is, I think, totally understandable, especially the last, the last couple of years watching with covid Essentially, one of the things that I mentioned the other day is a lot of these people believe in a lot of this, the ninth sort of 90s conspiracy theory folk. One of the big pieces of that was always these, you know, the black helicopters and the one world government and the United Nations Agenda 21. That was part of a lot of these similar conspiracy theory things. You see it a lot in the X-Files. And... Bizarrely, that section of conspiracy theory idea has been completely and totally vindicated as entirely true. There is absolutely a conspiracy amongst the global elite to create a new world government, new world order, and the whole UN Agenda 21 of there's going to be no currency and we're all going to live in these 15 minute cities and we're going to have basically do away with concepts like freedom and, you know, basically freedom and democracy. It'll be ruled by this elite technocracy. That stuff is completely true. And I think a lot of people, when it became clear that those things were true, I think it might have represented such an a sudden existential threat that they didn't have time anymore to care that much about aliens. It was, well, you know, aliens are kind of a shot sideshow to this thing that's absolutely potentially a, a you know, going to spell the death sentence for my children. Right. Well, and, and it's I, I totally understand, but it did. I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't absolutely sad when we had our when we had our prep call last night. And I brought this up because I was like, man, we've got an alien story. We've got an alien story. But then we had to sit there and go, yeah, but it's probably bullshit. Why would why would the yeah. media be honest with us? Right. If the media is saying it, especially about something this explosive, if the media is saying it, it probably is a lie meant to distract us from something else. Or it's it's kind of be, it became and I think COVID exam. I'm going to go back to COVID and say over the Trump years and over the whole COVID thing, all of this, it became clear that the media's role is to provide cover and is to provide cover and confusion for other groups with other agendas. Right. And so when I look at anything the mainstream media picks up, anything I see on outlets that I know have lied to me about leftist nonsense before in order to push a certain political message, I then immediately start thinking, what is this 
what is this cover for? What is this about? What is the reality behind this? Because if they've lied to me about everything else, why would I take this at face value? This is what's interesting is uh, <laughs> there's a theory being put out on the live chat here. Um, the alien alliance can't come in contact with humans. They could die. There need to be more masks and vaccines. Oh, that's great. That's <laughs> that's that's a fun theory. Everybody has to wear a mask because that's when the uh, aliens will be able to come down because uh, um, they won't have to worry about being infected by us because of the potential pathogens that we carry. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, no, it is interesting because, you know, I'm never going to believe that the government's suddenly being transparent and honest with the American people. At the right. same time, you know, we are reaching a certain situation where, you know, we're also going to be able to really reach out. We have people like Elon Musk who is planning and and, and getting ready at all the testing that he is doing right now with NASA and and mm -hmm. with uh with his company, uh SpaceX is all about getting humans one to the moon, uh, back to the moon, and then two, to Mars. So there is a certain point where there is an absolute aspect of this universe that is about to be unlocked. Mm -hmm. And we are moving to a situation where the human race very quickly, far faster than I think people realize, is going to be in a position where we are colonizing other worlds. I mean, God willing. Yeah, great. Like I'm very excited for that. I I can tell you that politically, I obviously didn't like Obama, but where I actually created hatred, where where hatred for Obama was truly felt, was when he came out and was like, "Yeah, we don't need a space shuttle program. That's dumb." Yeah. Which, which, uh, which is basically why I think we stopped going to the moon. I mean, there's all sorts of conspiracies about the moon landing. I would like to think it's because they what they really discovered on the moon. But honestly, I think it's much more simple as a bunch of left-wing activists got too annoyed that we were spending money on space exploration and not enough on welfare for the poor. And that they got, were so annoyed that we were doing things to advance human civilization rather than just maintaining the global bug hive that they decided to pull the plug on the whole, uh, whole space exploration thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, in reality it was, we, we can't, we can't, uh, space travel is actually expensive. So we don't get to launder as much money through that program. So we have to launder it through other things like welfare. Yeah, pretty much. But it'll be interesting. Let us know in the comments. What do you think? Like, do, do first of all, do you think it's all BS and a distraction? Or do you think somehow, like, we've just, as a society, have progressed to the point where it's acceptable enough in um, in the media that it's no longer, it no longer makes you a laughing stock, as it were? You know, like, it's no longer such a crazy thing for somebody to suggest, like, there might be aliens out there. Yeah, could be. So, 
but there's that. And uh, but one of the final things that we've uh, that we should kind of dive into a little bit is let's talk about how the Justice Department is labeling things as benign as moms groups as terrorists. So terrorism. Now I want to remember. I want to remind people. I want to remind people that only a few months ago it was a conspiracy theory. It was a right-wing conspiracy theory that the United States government was targeting uh, people, uh, protesters at school, uh, school board meetings. It was a conspiracy theory that those people were being targeted by the FBI. Well, now, not only have they confirmed that they were targeting people that went and protested at school board meetings to include a father, specifically a father who was arrested because he was at a school board meeting infuriated over the rape of his daughter uh, and mm. the cover up, the subsequent cover up by Loudoun County schools. Uh, now they're saying, well, actually, yes, we were actually targeting all of those parents, but it's a good thing because they're terrorists, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Which is not necessarily a government thing, but a private organization. Curious. Yeah, let's um, let's dive in a little bit to the story here um, and, and get some of the background. Let me uh, I accidentally move the tab like an idiot, uh, but I'll grab it right here. OK, so this comes from the Washington Free Beacon. And. Uh, Let's see. All right. SPLC researcher who labeled Moms for Liberty a hate group met Biden national security officials. So the author of a Southern Poverty Law Center report that labels parental rights organizations as extremist hate groups met earlier this year with Biden National Security Council officials, according to White House records. Susan Cork, the director of the SPLC's intelligence project, this week added Moms for Liberty Parents Defending Education, and other parent organizations to its hate map alongside neo-Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan. Cork visited the White House on January 6, 2023 and met with National Security Council Counterterrorism Director John Piccarelli, according to the White House visitor logs reviewed by the Washington Free Beacon. Cork, a former State Department official, was accompanied by researchers from American University who work with the SPLC. The SPLC's access to the White House is likely to draw outcry from Republicans who have long questioned the left-wing group's arbitrary hate map designations. The inclusion of parent groups could raise concerns that the organizations could become targets of violence. A gunman who shot a security guard at the headquarters of the Family Research Council in 2012 said he attacked the pro-family organization after seeing it listed as a hate group by the SPLC. By the way, just for the people who don't uh, know, that Family Research Council attack, the guy shot people and then laid a Chick-fil-A sandwich down on them. Wow. Yeah. Ugh. That was in 2012. Huh. So, yeah, that's the kind of leftist terrorism that they all pretend isn't happening. The SPLC is a garbage organization now dedicated to harassing groups that advocate for parents. In the future, their pronouncements must be met with scorn, Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio said in the uh, said of the SPLC report. The SPLC, which itself has faced accusations that it harbors systemic 
a systemic culture of racism, classified the pro-parent organizations as anti-government groups. Cork asserted that the parents that the parents' groups serve as the new battlefront versus inclusivity in schools and are rooted in age-old white supremacy. While it's unclear that Cork dis- what Cork discussed in the White House visit, the meeting was held amid growing pressure on the Biden administration to track parents upset by, by schools' coronavirus policies and left-wing classroom curricula. Moms for Liberty and Parents Defending Education have emerged as the leading grassroots groups in the movement against mask mandates at schools and curricula that promotes critical race theory and transgender issues. The FBI opened 25 preliminary investigations into parents, though only one advanced to a full investigation. FBI agents interviewed one member of a Moms for Liberty chapter who threatened to vote local school board members out of office over mask mandates. The investigations were part of a task force started in 2021 by Attorney General Merrick Garland to monitor school board meetings across the country for threats of violence. Garland launched the task force after the National School Board Association called on the Biden administration to investigate parents as potential domestic terrorists. Republicans have accused the administration of colluding with the school board group, citing a series of meetings that White House and Justice Department officials had with members of the group. Federal agencies and the White House have relied on the SPLC as a resource against extremism, even amid concerns about the group's methods for determining hate groups. The FBI either earlier this year cited SPLC research in an intelligence memo that called for surveillance of traditional Catholic groups in Virginia. The White House last month tapped the SPLC to serve on a coalition to track anti-Semitism In an ironic twist, organizations such as the Council on Islamic American Relations and the National Action Network, led by anti-Semite Al Sharpton, were also selected for the task force. The SPLC is a hateful, bigoted, and despicable organization, said Ted Cruz, Republican Texas. They're now attacking and labeling parents who want to have a say in their kids' education. By the way... The term anti-government organization or anti-government extremism is fascinating because you know who else will get lumped into that? Which, by the way, they're trying to list this as as all right wing, correct? Yeah. They will list Antifa as being anti-government because they're anti-police. So any anti-police organization or anything like that will be listed the same. And this is all trickery by the SPLC to try to label everything as right-wing extremism because that's the only way they'll be able to get the numbers they want. Right. That's the same as when they talk about right-wing terrorism. They always include things like, oh, the Pulse nightclub shooting and a bunch of stuff that actually doesn't, that I, that, that really has nothing to do with white supremacy. Right. So... This is a, this is going to be the new battlefront and method that the government is going to use to shut down dissenting opinions. But it's also indicative of exactly why the government wants to have total and unilateral control over the information spectrum. In fact, there was a proposal that was made 
by a member of the World Economic Forum. <clears throat> now, of all of the discussions that people have had about artificial intelligence and some of the scary things that could come out of the existence of artificial intelligence, one thing I didn't think was that the left was going to unilaterally prove to me that they are part of this dogmatic, insane religion. And mm -hmm. uh, then they did. So the World Economic Forum, this comes from Revolver News, the World Economic Forum wants artificial intelligence to rewrite the Bible and create a new correct religion. A top official with the World Economic Forum has called for religious scripture to be rewritten by artificial intelligence to create a globalized new Bible. Yuval Noah Harari, the senior advisor to the World Economic Forum, and its chairman, Klaus Schwab, argues that using AI to replace scriptures will create a unified religion, will create unified religions that are actually correct. Harari, Whoa. an influential author and professor, made the call while giving a talk on the future of humanity. According to Harari, the power of AI can be harnessed and used to reshape spirituality into the WEF's globalist vision of equity and inclusivism. Speaking with journalist Pedro Pinto in Lisbon, Portugal, Harari told the elitist audience, it's the first technology ever that can create new ideas. You know, the printing press, radio, television, they broadcast. They spread the ideas created by the human brain, by the human mind. They cannot, they cannot create a new idea. You know, uh, Johannes Gutenberg printed the Bible in the middle of the 15th century. The printing press printed as many copies of the Bible as Gutenberg instructed it, but it did not create a single new page. It had no ideas of its own about the Bible. Is it good? Is it bad? How to interpret this? How to interpret that? Harari then revealed that he and his allies at the World Economic Forum have a solution to do to the supposed problems he just highlighted. AI can create a new, new ideas. It can even write a new Bible, he declared. Throughout history, religious religions dreamt about having a book written by a superhuman intelligence by a non-human entity, he added. In a few years, there might be religions that are actually correct, just about a religion whose holy book is written by an AI. Wow. Well, that's absolutely on brand with a messianic New World Order World Economic Forum to think. <laughs> yeah. So the World Economic Forum wants to create its own religion that will be written by uh, computers, <laughs> written by artificial intelligence, which, by the way, it's the same. It's the same World Economic Forum that is afraid of you and I, regular people, having access to artificial intelligence tools and believe right. that it needs to be regulated and not only regulated, but programmed against, quote, bias. Wrong think. Yes. I try so. all they might. It, it 
is there because they sit on the throne of lies it increasingly requires more and more and more control to maintain the illusions they have about human nature and the way the world works doesn't mean they're not going to stop trying but it does mean they have to always be increasing the pressure and force used because they're fundamentally operating from a place of falsehoods it's going to be fascinating because there's zero way this doesn't result in an absolute schism where basically people of any kind of faith are not going to feel like they are now at war with groups like the World Economic Forum. With the yeah. arrogance of the World Economic Forum walking in and saying, by the way, this is the only like, this is the only true religion written by the Omnisire. <laughs> Yeah, basically. And I kind of feel like the Catholic Church is going to feel a little bit of uh, oh, crusade if they try <laughs> to um, create a brand new religion. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's like, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, Pope Francis. Uh, how do you feel about the idea of the World Economic Forum that has released its new artificial intelligence Bible and suggesting that it's the only true religion? He just like stares up. Now, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not a huge fan of Pope Francis, but he just stares up and goes, Deus Volt. Yeah, I mean, well, but very legitimately, if they try yeah. to do some sort of pr promote some sort of revisionist Bible to take away converts from the Catholic Church, I don't feel that it's going to go over very well well and you know i i i'm i can't help but have to point out the fact that there's zero way that the world economic forum isn't going to create the cringiest and gayest religion oh my gosh on yes. the planet like yeah oh it would be the it would be the absolute worst yeah although to be fair they will get a single win. They'll finally be able to make George Floyd an actual saint. That's true. That's yeah. very true. They would finally get the chance to enshrine Saint Floyd to to fully canonize Saint Floyd. Yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be George Floyd, the patron saint of didn't do nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Remember to leave out a banana every Floyd miss. Oh my God! <laughs> oh damn it! Well, that well, that's it. We're now canceled. We're now canceled. It should have been leave out a baggie of fentanyl. Come on, man! No, no, he well because he was trying to buy a banana with the fake twenty dollar bill. Oh, was he really? Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's I what, thought that's what. I'm sorry. The, uh, I'm sorry, got, Alan. I thought called. you were being racist. I uh, I apologize. Well, I thought I would you never. were. Uh, yeah, I thought you were making a racial statement. Um, I did not realize that that was that that was based in some sort of fact. Oh yeah, no that there's there's the video of him high out of his mind of fentanyl is ranting and raving in a gas station trying to buy a banana with a fake twenty dollar bill, and that's what got the cops called initially, and that's what started the whole uh, the whole thing with George Floyd. Wow, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't I, I don't, I'm not sure how I missed it. But then part of it, to be fair, is, as you know, during that whole thing, I was like, I don't care anymore. I know exactly what happened here. And I also know that none of it matters. But <laughs> which maybe makes me a little bit better. 
Um, but that's going to have to be it for today. Of course, you can catch us. Um, we will not be here next week because I am going to be on vacation. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry. We'll be here next week, not the week after. But we'll get into that because um, I'm going to be heading to Europe for a couple weeks. But I'll let everybody know on our Discord. So be sure to check us out on Twitter. Be sure to obviously go and subscribe at subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. This is Wrong Think Radio. See you all next week.